This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, yo, this is Dave from TheNewYorkBudget.com. Texarkana, where you at? Joe plays board games all the time. OG still works the daily grind. Roundtable views don't always align, but help financial peace of mind. Suzanne's HR skills for the win. Doug is in Mom's cookie tin. PK's attacking Jim again. All on stacking Benjamins. Stack, stack, stack. Stacking Benjamins. Stack, 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 stack. Stacking Benjamins. Kicking it all the way from the 212 to the 903 430. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm buying my first ETF. I know, don't want to be too fast about this stuff, but if you've listened to this show, you already know I'm a trailblazer. And speaking of trailblazers, here today to help us talk about eight mistakes the middle class is making with their money, we welcome from The Rich Life Show, Bo Henderson. And also from Afford Anything, say hello to Paula Pant. And finally, from LenPenzo.com, Omarosa Manigault Newman. I'm <laughs> just kidding. She's over in the corner taping this whole conversation. She doesn't have time to talk to us. It's just Len Penzo. But did I say finally? Back up that trolley because there is more. How about mixing your video game craving with your saving and investing habit? First, he created Acorns, and now he's creating yet another fintech idea. From Blast, we welcome. Walter Cruttenden. And now, because Friday always needs a ringmaster, Joe Salcihai. That is me, and today I feel like the ringmaster. Hey, everybody, I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And what a team of experts we have for you today. Well, we had them and they couldn't make it, so we have these three instead. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, let's start deep under Los Angeles where my good buddy Len Penzo is sitting in his bunker. How are you, man? I am doing fantastic. Just got back from vacation and I'm all refreshed and ready to go, Joe. Was this your vacation to the desert in the middle of summer? Yes, yes. Yes. You, uh, it wasn't hot enough here in LA. So I, I had to go to the desert where it was 110,000 degrees. I was just wondering, how was the other person in the desert with you? Were they good? Yes. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, is we were driving home today and uh, the honeybee asked, she goes, hey, what's the temp out there right now? And I looked and I was looking at the odometer and I told her it was 147 degrees. So my trip <laughs> odometer. That's, that's great. That's like those. <laughs> that's like those. Do you drive in kilometers? <laughs> <laughs> It's, oh, I'm, I'm I'm real flexible, Paul. I can do I can do anything. It's like those people in that movie, Amy Poehler and Will Ferrell, who thought they'd save for college because they had a 401k. They had 401,000 bucks. <laughs> Good. What what could possibly go wrong if you got 401k? And the woman with at least 401k and no microphone this week. She has a crash laptop from yes. Afford Anything. It's Paula Pant. Yes, not only do I have no microphone, I also have no laptop. Because if you are a longtime listener to this show, first of all, I'm sorry. And second of all, (laughs) you will remember that back in January, my laptop died. And so after a month of return trips to the Genius Bar, I finally caved and bought a new one. 
well, that was January and this is now. And guess what? That new one is overnight at the Genius Bar. Nice job. Yeah. Yeah. It lasted for eight months. (laughs) I feel like Dr. Phil, like how's that working out for you? But that's not really appropriate. (laughs) You could not have even had a baby in the amount of time that that laptop went from start to finish. And you know, what's sad is that you're remembering right now that conversation where they said, would you like the insurance with this? And you said, no, thank you. (laughs) Well, Apple gives you one year on the house. So it's still insured. Awesome. And a guy who's hoping he gets one year of insurance on the house for his appearance here, (laughs) the guy that wants all his buddy back, wondering what he's doing here. The guy who's going to save the show, Len and Paula, finally. <laughs> From the Rich Life Podcast, we're so happy he's finally here. Bo Henderson, what are you doing here, man? We know you're talking about being hot in the desert. I'm down here in Atlanta, and the humidity here, it's its own special kind of hot. So I'm kind of dealing with that, waiting for fall to get here. But you're right, Joe. I'm wondering, what have I got myself into today <laughs> as the new kid on the block? But I can tell we're going to have some fun. So. We are going to have some fun. And speaking of fun... I love the Rich Life Show. Tell everybody what you do there for the three people that don't know. Well, on the Rich Life Show, really what we talk about, and a lot of people think of me as just talking about money, tactical aspects of dealing with money, but the Rich Life Show is really about using your money to live a meaningful, fulfilling, rich life, which includes a lot of other things like our health, our relationships, and the things most important to us. It's cool. You just had our good friend Adrian Dorison on. That was a fun Mm -hmm. interview. Oh, Adrian was great. She's one of my most popular interviews, believe it or not. Uh, she is crazy, crazy fun and brilliant. And uh, when I say crazy, I mean crazy awesome. So Crazy in a good way. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of crazy in a good way, you know how you get crazy in a good way? You subscribe to our newsletter, The Stacker. Hello. <laughs> How's that for a horrible transition? Because The Stacker is where we're not only going to tell you about what's going on here in the basement, we'll also give you details about how good financial planning works and Coming up this fall, we're going to have special guests on our three live shows, including in Orlando, one person named Paula Pant's going to be on the show. That's true. I may not have a laptop, but I do have an airline ticket to Orlando. It is <laughs> going to be awesome. So, and by the way, for tickets to the tour, it's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash tour. And to get on our mailing list, it's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. Mom loves reading the stacker. It's always free. You can unsubscribe whenever you want, but if you're like her, you'll probably put it on the fridge. So Len, I know the honeybee, she puts her stacker on the fridge. She certainly does, Joe. <laughs> I love how I just go to ladies. Yup. It's the best thing. Ever. <laughs> no, I don't care what you're selling. It's fantastic, dude. Yes. That's why Len is on the show right there. Absolutely. Yes. I'm your yes man. Yes. I'm your Ed McMahon. <laughs> and thanks also to Nutrafol for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Nutrafol is a vitamin made from botanical ingredients that helps improve hair health from within. Get your first month's supply with a subscription plan for 10 bucks by visiting NUT. R-A-F-O-L dot com and using promo code SB during checkout. Well, we got a great show. We've got a fantastic, obviously, if you guys heard, we have a great lineup. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. And our headline today comes to us from Business Insider. This is written by our good friend, Holly Johnson. Eight money mistakes the middle class keeps making. Paula Pant, the middle class doesn't make money mistakes. That's how they got middle class. Say it ain't so. (laughs) About half of Americans, Holly writes, lived in middle class households in 2014, according to Pew Research. This demographic includes families with incomes two-thirds to double the U.S. median household income or those earning between $42,000 and $125,000 with cost of living adjustments for expensive metropolitan areas. America's middle class includes teachers, firefighters, and plumbers, but also engineers, construction managers, and chefs, workers from all over the economy. The middle class provides and consumes the bulk of services that keep society afloat, driving economic growth and investment with each purchase they make. But when it comes to money, the American middle class faces a range of unique challenges. Wages have stagnated for nearly everyone but the highest earners since 1979, and rising inflation-adjusted cost of essentials like housing and healthcare have put a squeeze on the average budget. She goes on to talk about how, because there's such a squeeze, we got to do better with our money. Because Bo, we'll start with you. Her number one point is, Americans seem to be racking up way too much debt. You know, one of the things I find for people that reach out and, and having a lot of conversations is, is they're not thinking about their future. Their financial plan is, 
I'm going to not deal with it and hope everything turns out okay. And, you know, that's not really a great plan. And and this debt one takes on special meaning to me because just this week I had a hard conversation with somebody. They bought a car that's going to make them happy for about a month that costs more than their mortgage. Oh, my God. And, and what I find with these is just priorities are out of whack, but I think it's a symbol of or a, it's coming from not thinking ahead more past today, just instant gratification, not thinking what things need to be like in 5, 10, 20 years, and we get in this trouble with a lot of debt. That sounds a lot like Paula Pan, actually. She never <laughs> thinks about tomorrow. <laughs> you know, what's funny is when you said that the car costs more than their mortgage, my first thought was, well, if the entire car costs more than one monthly mortgage payment, that that's not unreasonable. One monthly mortgage <laughs> payment is maybe, what, $2,000? So the car costs more than 2000 let me yeah. Let me restate. The payment is more than the mortgage. Yeah, there you it, go. Took, it took me a yeah. it took me a minute to figure that out because my and I think that is illuminating. My assumption is not that they took out a car loan, and so because I didn't assume car loan, that's why it took me a long time to connect that. So I think even there we can see uh, the difference between like a an, a mentality that assumes that debt is a fixture of life versus a mentality that does not make that assumption. And I like that word mentality because Len, it all comes down to mentality. How do you, how do you change? How do you change the mentality from Bo's point of, I need it right now and I'm going to deal with the future later to Paula's point of, you know, let's, uh, let's work on getting ahead. I used the thing that I have talked about this before. My, my CPA cousin, Kevin, who put this to me, it's debt is shackles, it's chains, it's indebted servitude to your lenders. And that's how I look at it. And when every, every dollar of debt you're taking on is another link in the chain of that binds you to taking away your future choices. So if you don't want to have as many choices in the future, go ahead and spend that money and get in debt. Now, the more money you save and the less debt you're in, the more choices you have in the future. And I think that's the best way to look at it. That's how I have always looked at it that way. And, and you know, Lynn, I had a, a great example shared with me of that is actually you monetize what a hundred dollar purchase costs you in days before you can retire or free days before you're free. And then you can start thinking about, okay, I'm buying this thousand dollar item. That's costing me a week of my freedom or retirement. Oh, that's and then great. it starts taking a different that's perspective. Great. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, great. Great. Yeah. Fantastic analogy. And Paula, that sounds like you. When you translate the money into time, you start to make different decisions. Yeah. If you calculate what is your effective hourly rate, if you're a salaried employee, just take the amount of money that you earn per year and lock three zeros off the end and then divide by two. And that is roughly how much you make per hour, because that assumes 40 hours a week times 50 weeks a year. It assumes 2000 working hours a year. So that's a quick and dirty way to figure out what your hourly rate is. And then when you start looking at purchases as a result of like through the lens of how many hours of my life did I spend for this, it becomes a very different equation. Am I the only one that when Paula starts talking equations, all I hear is wah, 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 wah. <laughs> we're going to put, put that in the show notes because I missed I it. I'm like, <laughs> hey, Bo, it's a very simple equation. You carry the one, divide by three, and, and all three zeros. sprint to the finish line. And the next thing you know, you're watching Mission Impossible. I don't, I don't have any idea how that works. But no, I'm kidding. The second piece on here, the second mistake that Holly talks about is not having an emergency fund. And I think, Len, this is a big reason why people, once again, have so much debt because there's no emergency fund. Yeah. And, you know, she brings up this factoid that is just it still boggles the mind that 46 percent of us would struggle to cover a four hundred dollar emergency. Can you believe four hundred dollars? You think about it's almost half. What, the unexpected expenses that you could come across that cost more than four hundred dollars in life. I mean, a car problem or. Heck, I mean, you just name it. There are so many things that can go wrong and $400. If, if you can't set aside $1,000 a year savings, and think about that, that's not really that much. If you set aside, what, $20 a week, if you can pull that away, you'll have that $1,000 saved in a year. So it just takes a little effort to do that. But, but that yeah, assumes amazing. But that assumes, Len, that nothing's going to come up. The cool thing is, is you might not get there that fast, but if something comes up, now you at least have some cushion to go to. Of course. Yeah. But my point is, it doesn't take long to, to save yeah. even a thousand dollars. That's what I guess what is what I'm saying yeah. is, uh, you know, you set it aside. It doesn't take long. You just got to put your mind to it and get that savings going. It's a state of mind really saying, hey, I am going to have emergency savings. 
Len says it's a state of mind, but Bo, in your work, I'm sure it's not just a state of mind. It's got to be a system too. Do you have systems that help people get that emergency fund in place? We, yeah, we usually come up with a formula and it's different for each individual as to money coming in, what percentage needs to, if that's not filled up, if we don't have a month of emergency fund, what percentage needs to go to fill that up? And again, it's different for the expenses, the debt of every person. But what we were talking about, what I see is it gets into, if we're not careful, it gets into this very big cycle of using our credit cards as the emergency fund. Then you get ahead a little bit, you pay it off, and then guess what? Something else comes along. So you can get in this long-term cycle of using your credit cards as emergency fund if you don't just bite the bullet and and give you a month cushion will probably satisfy 95% of the emergencies that would come up. You know, a lot of people think though, Paula, because you talk to the other side of the equation, which are people that sometimes I think are too intelligent for their own good, who go, you know what? An emergency fund sitting there earning nothing. I don't want to earn nothing. So I'm going to avoid the emergency fund. You know, if we're talking about say a 12 month emergency fund, then sure, I can see the logic in taking the nine out of those 12 months and put it into some type of conservative bond fund or, you know, I, I can see the logic in trying to optimize that a little bit. But if we're talking about two or three months, I mean, dude, you're pinching pennies and your time and energy is much better spent having that cushion there so that at a minimum, you just don't have to closely monitor your bill pay quite as much. And then focus your highly intelligent brain power on earning more. I absolutely love that. Number three on Holly's list, not giving your retirement a raise when you get one. And Bo, I'm going to go to you first again, because I'm sure you see this with clients and people you work with. People somehow equate their income with their expenses. And they think that, hey, when I make a buck, I got to spend every dollar of that. Right. And there's a law. And if you guys can think of it, there's there's an actual law for that is we're going to spend up to what we have coming in in most situations. I thought you were uh, going to say that there's a law that we have to. I'm like, really? <laughs> no, there is a law. Right. Congratulations. But it's the classic scenario. You know, the I saw some statistics a while back that stuck with me that the average family in the United States doesn't start saving for retirement really until 53 years old until they're well into their career, raising kids and getting them out. And as we just put it off, put it off, put it off, and then we're trying to catch up in a 10-year period. And it makes it very cumbersome, to say the least, for people. Luckily, I'm ahead of that by three years. (laughs) (laughs) I knew the show was overachievers. That's that's right. Bo, if the show makes a buck, I'm going to start saving, I promise. uh, Uh, There you go. Paula? I sat next to some guy on an airplane once who was probably in about his 50s or so, and we started talking, and he asked me what I did. I said I had a podcast, Conversation Natural Returns to Retirement Planning, and yeah, he told me that he didn't have any retirement funds. I was talking Um, to my uncle, to your point, Paula, at a funeral. We were talking about how the stock market was down. It was 2001. Another uncle had passed away. I said, yeah, you know, I, I bet it's it's rough watching your savings go down. He goes, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, your 401k. <laughs> he, he said, sorry. He said, yeah, yeah, because you know where this is going. He said, <laughs> I, I said, your 401k at work. He goes, oh, yeah, I never did that because he had a pension. <laughs> and because he had a pension, he's like, I don't need to save any money. The company's going to take care of me. And sadly, by the way, that company was General Motors. Right. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we know how that works out, but let's go on to number four, relying entirely on your 401k plan. Len, I wanted to to save this one for you because besides being a blogger, you also work for the man. I would think if you just rely on your 401k plan, you got to be crazy. No, I rely on my pension too. Oh, oh, wait. And we get paid for this, right? <laughs> Beep, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The 47 no, cent. No, you're right. Here. You're right, Joe. There's, there's, you can't just rely on that 401k plan. You've got to be diversified in everything. Just like your 401k has to be diversified, you should be diversified in your retirement and what you're doing for that as well. So have a Roth IRA to go against that 401k. So that complements your 401k. Whereas you're pulling things out of your 401k in retirement that are being taxed, you can also tap some of that Roth that Roth IRA money that's not taxed. So that kind of helps you there. You can also go into other alternative investments like uh, perhaps precious metals or something else to that respect. So 
there are other ways besides just your 401k. And also, hey, get a side hustle. Buy some property like uh, Paula has property all over the place and get some side income coming in that way. Yes, do not rely on Social Security, your pension, or just your 401k. Hey, for those people playing uh, Lempenzo Bingo at home, you can cross off the precious precious metal square for another show. Congratulations. That's good. Should be a drinking game on on stacking. (laughs) It should be. How many times does Penzo say gold or silver? (laughs) Not taking advantage of health savings accounts. HSAs is number five. And uh, Paula, you, you can write poetry about HSAs. All right. So the beautiful thing about an HSA is that you can put money into it that is tax deferred. And when you spend that money on a qualified medical expense, that money is spent tax exempt. But here's what's really cool. When you spend money on medical expenses, you don't actually have to spend HSA dollars at that moment. You can pay out of pocket, save the receipt, and just allow that money to continue to accumulate tax deferred growth. And then 5, 10, 15, 20, 1 million years into the future, if at any point you decide that you want to take that money out of your HSA, you can do so. And because you have the receipt to back it, it's tax exempt and penalty free. So what's cool about the HSA is it's, it's kind of a best of all world supplemental retirement account. I absolutely love it. Bo, we've got time for one more and there's three more on Holly's list. I'll go over the three and you pick which one we talk about. Delaying retirement savings is number six. Number seven, forgetting to update your beneficiary designations on retirement accounts, life insurance and annuities. And number eight, spending too much on depreciating assets. Let's do let's do forgetting to update beneficiary designations. Oh That's yeah, this is a big one. Tell us a story, Bo. Very early on in my retirement planning career, I think I was only three years in the business, and I, and it, this had a a huge impact on me. And I never it's made me very diligent to check beneficiary designations at all times. I had a lady come to me and uh, had about a four hundred thousand dollar four hundred one k that she her husband had just passed away. It was his four hundred one k, and he assumed he did it. They both assumed he did it, but his ex-wife was still the beneficiary on that 401k from 20 plus years ago. And guess what? That ex-wife out of the kindness of her heart didn't say, Hey, you know what? I really think he would have wanted you to have it. The wife lost that $400,000 by wow. a beneficiary designation. Yep. The ex took it. That mm-hmm. sucks. Yep. That's a big thing. Every every time you do any kind of review or if you're doing it on your own, make sure beneficiaries are updated because you'll be surprised at how often I'll run across them. People assume they're current and they're outdated. Yeah. OG tells a similar story that doesn't end that poorly. He just tells the <laughs> one where he was sitting with people and says, so you got your beneficiary here. Uh, David, who's Sandy? And Laura sitting next to him goes, <laughs> yeah, who's Sandy? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Got to change that beneficiary from my Oops. ex. Yeah. Let's put it this way, though. I'll take uncomfortable for five minutes versus what happened to yeah. that woman. Wow. That's horrible. Just say it's my dead cat. That's dead from a long time ago. I forgot. <laughs> Swear to God. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what's the point of this? What do people take away? Paula, we'll have you go first. Update your beneficiaries. <laughs> they're, they're Clearly. <laughs> also, save in an HSA and keep an emergency fund and don't take out a loan for a car. Wow. I asked you for one. You gave me like four. You're taking them all. What are these guys going to do? I know. I'm an overachiever here. Len, what's the uh, big takeaway here? Well, I'll do the doom and gloom. It's like there's lots of ways you can mismanage your money if you're not paying attention. There's lots of little mistakes that can end up being big problems down the road if you're not paying attention. So it's good to review all of these things and look and review what you're doing at all times. And for those of you playing the Lampenzo bingo, we got the doom and gloom in too. So (laughs) (laughs) two more and and, uh, we got the bingo. Uh, Bo, you're the guest. Let's give you the last word. You know, I think paying attention to our debt because I can't tell you the number of difficult conversations I have when uh, a person has seven, eight, nine thousand, ten thousand dollars of expenses trying to go into retirement, the sheer assets that would take to sustain that for most people's unattainable. And to the other point, when somebody has most of their expenses taken care of and debt taken care of, they can live well for three, four thousand dollars. And that makes it a lot easier to have the lifestyle and the peace of mind you would want in your retirement years. Man, I wish I had my shots if I knew we were gonna have so many things. <laughs> Had your shots, like shots of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Every time no. says something, I'm going to take a shot. <laughs> I know. 
I don't think I told you this, but PT, you know, PT, Philip Taylor, when he was on the second time, he said, if I would have remembered how relaxed this was, I would have been on my second beer by now. So, yeah. I'm going to grab a drink. Oh, Polo. Oh, yeah. What the hell? So, Bo, as background, every single time we do one of these recordings, these guys, uh, Joe and Len, are always drinking. And I'm usually, like, having a water. No, you're having something green. Something green. Or a green juice. Like, I'm always having the healthy drink. All right. This is That's why. There you go. Oh. Wow. It's about to to get interesting. Oh, yeah. It's about damn What? Six years later, Paula, finally. Oh. Good for you, Paula. Are you recording this? I hope so. (laughs) Yes. After years of being on this show, you've finally driven me to drink. (laughs) And, and, And because we have the only shortwave with video, we have proof. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right all right cheers paula cheers cheers, cheers. <laughs> well, i'm super excited about this guest you know this man even though you might not know his name walter cruttenden financial services innovator. He's founded and served as CEO of Roth Capital, a leader in funding emerging growth companies since 1983. He also founded and served as CEO of the investment banking arm of this little company called E-Trade, which became the number one provider of online IPOs before that got sold. Walter then went on because that's not enough. What do you do after that? Well, you create this little company called Acorns, the first and largest micro-investing platform with his son, Jeffrey. He also founded and took public SRS Labs, leader in acoustic technology before its sale. He authored the books Lost Star of Myth and Time and The Great Year Adventures with Tommy the Time-Traveling Turtle and wrote and produced the award-winning documentary The Great Year. He serves as chairman of Acorns, CEO of his two regulated entities, Acorn Securities and Acorns Advisors. But now he's doing something new. Let's see what Walter Crutton is up to. He's created this little new fintech app called Blast. And uh, I think you'll think this is a blast. And coming down the stairs, I'm so happy he's here. Walter Crutton did. How are you, man? Hey, pleasure to be here. We were so excited with you guys when Acorns was launched. Mom says that money is not all fun and games, but you seem to think differently with this new Blast thing. I think it can be. Uh, You know, at Acorns, people would connect their debit or credit card, and that would be the trigger to trigger a small investment. We just round up to the nearest dollar. Believe it or not, there's actually more people that play games and more in-game events. And there's 150 million gamers in the U.S., 2.6 billion worldwide. So we figured, why not games? I was excited to hear that you combine these two things because I never thought that, I mean, it seems to me like Reese's two great tastes that go great together games, and, <laughs> games and saving money. You had me at hello, Walter, but tell me where the idea actually came from. It really came from playing games myself and with my kids and kind of wishing that there was a better outcome. Oftentimes gamers get a bad rap. Mom saying, get off that game or you're playing too long. While games do teach many positive skills, you know, from eye-hand coordination to to resource management, to time allocation skills, we wanted to further improve it. And so one of our behavioral economists, Shlomo Benarzi from UCLA, said, hey, it's almost impossible to change behaviors. But if you can put a positive outcome into gaming, like saving every time they're doing something, then you've got the chance to change lives. And so that's what we did. Just smash together gaming and fintech and it's still one big experiment. Well, walk me through it. Let's talk about how Blast works. So it's an app and you just uh, download it, load it from the Google Play Store and uh, register the basic information. And then you can do one of several things. Uh, you can trigger save. So as you play your favorite game, you can set that you want to save a penny or five cents or a dime or whatever the number it is for either time played, you know, say minute played or based on in-game achievements, you know, so many coins collected, so many minions taken down or towers destroyed, something like that. But there's also missions. 
you're a game player, so you will see in the app missions for similar games. So maybe you're playing, um, you know, Words with Friends and we'll serve you up Candy Crush or Angry Birds or something like that. And it'll be, you know, get to level three or play it for 20 minutes and we'll pay you 50 cents or a dollar for doing that. And so besides saving money, we increase the rate of return by paying you missions on all the games you play. And and so that's number two. And then quickly, number three is there's a leaderboard. So as you're saving money and you're going on missions, uh, you're moving up the leaderboard. And each week we pay $1,000 out to the winner of the leaderboard. Holy so, cow. Can I yeah. can I then hook this up and link with my friends so I can see how they're doing versus me like I can on the Xbox? Yeah, so you'll see it right now in your app. And oftentimes people have their apps next to each other. But we're talking about that exact same thing. The feature's not out yet, though. Awesome. Now, when that money gets saved, how does it get saved? Because with Acorns, you guys were famous for, of course, putting the money into the stock market. Does the money go into savings in the stock market? Where does it go? Good point. So it goes into savings. We found that there's a whole cohort of people that basically are just a little nervous about the market. So they'd just rather be in a savings account. And now that interest rates are going back up, we can actually pay close to 2% on those accounts. And so you get the the normal savings rate. We happen to keep the money at Wells Fargo. And then um, you get the mission money on top. So let's say you have 200 bucks in your account and you did uh, four missions that week that you got a buck each for. So you just got, you know, an extra four bucks on your $200 or, you know, essentially 5%. So you get a super energized return. Even without the missions, you're paying better than a brick and mortar pays on savings. Yeah. And it's because we caught the win right. The rates are going up right now. So um, yeah, we just pass it all through. The games, and you talk about matching those two achievements, are these just games on our phone or wherever I play? PC games, any type of game? And do you have a pre-populated list or how does that work? Good point. So it's uh, currently works with all games that are in the Google Play Store. And that's over a million games, several million games, actually. Uh, and that'll be at least with the time trigger. Now, some games also work with the more complex activity triggers, but they'll all work with the time trigger. And then um, we introduced Android, Google, you know, first, and then we'll come out with iOS in about eight weeks from now. Wow. Too bad you don't have anything going on, Walter. I feel bad for you. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how you guys make money because you're paying out a good amount of money. How do you guys cash in? We have relationships with the game companies And as you probably know, the game companies are large and growing very fast, and they're all trying to get new users. Uh, I read an article the other day that 500 to 1,000 new games hit the Google Play Store or the App Store every single day. And so as you can imagine, they're, they're trying all sorts of different ways to get gamers' attention, and we're a channel for that. So we uh, make it really fun to save money through games. And so game companies pay us money and we share some of that uh, with the saver. Gotcha. And you mentioned iOS is coming. Anything else that you have on the list of things that you guys can announce that you might be doing in the next few months? So iOS will be about uh, eight weeks or so. And then uh, we have a number of PC games that we've targeted. Uh, Some of the PC games have open APIs, so we can pretty easily figure out how to serve those triggers up through our app. We're coming out first with Counter-Strike and then probably PUBG, Fortnite, a couple others. Never heard of any of those games. No, I'm (laughs) not popular at all. I'm I'm sad you started with the little titles, right? right? Walter, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Everybody can find this at the Google Play Store, right? Just download the app and you're good to go. Yeah, and start stacking those Benjamins. Amen, brother. Thanks for hanging out with us. Okay, all right. Namaste. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today I'm buying my first exchange-traded fund. And they said on this forum that I'm going to need a minimum investment. Huh. What do you exchange trade to get into this fund? Baseball cards, maybe? Or 
Oh, 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 Disney pin collections? Rare shells from Lake Michigan beaches. That's that's pretty valuable stuff. Well, I'm going to mull that over. But while I think, let's get you thinking about today's trivia, which is this. How many new exchange-traded funds were created in 2017? I'll be back with the answer to both this question and the bigger question. What do I use as my exchange investment for this fund? That might not work the way he thinks it works, but but, but we won't tell him that since he went running upstairs wondering. I gotta have Doug over for dinner one night. Oh, Joe. what a what a I gotta have him over. What a dumpster think, fire that would be. I think, I think we should all guess not only a number but also what he's going to uh, exchange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does Doug ultimately exchange? Oh uh, so, Bo, we explained the rules backstage while Doug was blabbering on about. Uh, Exchange traded funds and what to exchange. The way we play it, obviously, price is right style. You're playing on behalf of OG. The score is tied, Bo. So no pressure, but it's everybody has two this season. No, I think I think Paula took a lead a, a couple weeks ago. Didn't you, Paula? I oh. have no idea. <laughs> We're all tied, Joe. We are all tied. <laughs> Led's like, shut my damn mouth. <laughs> we are all tied. It's a game, Bo, where we keep precious score. This has been locked away. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, so would you like to go first, middle, or last, Bo? I'll go last. Huh. That's strange. Imagine that. <laughs> and Len, since Paula won most recently, would you like to go? You know what? Paula is winning by one. Paula has three. I'm sorry. Oh, hey. Yes. Yes. It's Paula three, OG two, Len two. <laughs> I'll sorry. drink to that. Yes. Cheers, Paula. <laughs> Cheers. All right. All right. Len, do you want to go in the middle or would you like to get it over with and go first? <laughs> No way. I'm going in the middle. Going in the middle. So, Paula, that means you're up. Well, there is no way that I can logically deduce this number. There's no rational thought process that I can go through other than I believe that it is a positive number. I'm just going to guess 567 because those are sequential (laughs) digits. Five, six, seven. Five, six, seven. (laughs) And that's the way Paula's brain works. (laughs) <laughs> and Len, what do you think? Uh, let's see. 567. I'm going to say, I got to be careful here now. Uh, 567 seems mm, probably right on the money. So I'm <laughs> going to divide it by two and multiply times, as I got my calculator here, 1.2. 340, Joe. 340. 340. Bo, what do you do with that? Mm, I think I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to go 568. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it might be Bo's first game, but it's not his first rodeo. No. <laughs> How about that? We'll protect the upside. Well, thanks to Nutrafol for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Nutrafol is this vitamin made with nutraceutical-grade ingredients shown to improve thinning hair. Nutrafol does this by nourishing your hair health from within through supplements that are 100% drug-free. Science and research has changed the way that we think about hair and its relationship to our overall health. For example, for women, stress plays a huge role in hair thinning. I think that's for some men, too, including this one. For, For men... DHT levels from testosterone, diet, and environmental toxins comprise hair health. Nutrafol scientists and researchers have worked for years to come up with a natural formula that multi-targets causes while improving hair health. It's available in two distinct formulas for men and women that suit gender-specific metabolic needs. And, like I've said before, it's recommended by over 850 top physicians in some of the top salons in the country. I've been using it for a short time think my hair is getting stronger just saying manufactured in the u.s contains no gmo soy eggs dairy gluten peanuts shellfish tree nuts wheat yeast artificial flavors or colors you know all that stuff you're allergic to you can find more clarifications if you want if you need them on the neutrophil faq section there's a complete rundown here of what this is and what it isn't which is what i like so i've been taking it i've enjoyed the ride it's very easy just take it with food and you're done for the day 
Get your first month's supply yourself to try it out with a subscription plan for 10 bucks by visiting N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com and using promo code SB during the checkout. That's your first month's supply with a subscription plan for 10 bucks by visiting N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com and using promo code SB during checkout. Thanks again to Nutrafol for supporting Stacking Benjamins. And while we have a moment here, I also want to talk about the Stacky Benjamins Tour. If you're interested in keeping up with what's going on in the tour, head to the Stacker, stackybenjamins.com forward slash Stacker and sign up for that because we are going to have lots of updates during the second half of September about all the different names. That's the circus of Stacky Benjamins going on a tour for live shows. And the live show is going to be a lot different than our normal show. Not different in terms of the way that we do the show or the sense of humor of the show, but I can't wait to be able to do some of the physical stuff that we don't do, can't do, because you can't see us <laughs> sitting here in the basement when we're talking. So here's how you join us. If you're going to be in Orlando around September 25th, or how about Kansas City, October 9th, or October 24th in Detroit, we're going to be in those three cities in Orlando and Kansas City. We're at the Improv and in Detroit, we're at Go Comedy Improv Theater in fabulous Ferndale, just north of Detroit. For tickets to all of them, if you just go to stackybedjamins.com forward slash tour, you'll see it. Or to join our newsletter to get all information about what's going on in the basement, more on topics that we don't have time to fully explore here. And sometimes I rant a little there because it's fun stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker all right so here's what we've got paula <laughs> paula you gotta feel paula confident has lost. paula's paula got has lost let's just make that clear if dove if, if doug comes back with 567 i'm gonna <laughs> i'm I, i'm i'm just gonna lose it uh bo's got 568 they're gonna lose it <laughs> that's true uh len len with uh 340 but I think the more important thing is, what's he trading in for? You know, you got to exchange something, Paula, for your exchange traded fund. What's he exchanging? Absolutely. I am going to guess that he's exchanging a basket of kittens. <laughs> Len, uh, I think he's I think he's exchanging a the leftover French fries from his uh, McDonald's that he found under the cushion of his couch. That would be incredible writing if he did that. <laughs> 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 Imaginative, right? Bo, how about you? You know, I'm thinking I'm going to go with uh, his example of his. I'm making this part up. His tops baseball trading cards. All right, let's hear. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I figured out what I'll exchange to buy into this exchange traded fund. My belt buckle collection, of course. While the snakehead one is really cool and my number 17 NASCAR belt buckle is going to be tough to part with, the real truth is that ever since I switched to Velcro pants, I don't need to wear belts anymore. Modern miracles, I'll tell you. I don't know what's been bigger for civilization. Velcro pants or those little sausage and bread weenies. Brilliant, but also brilliant if I do say so myself, is today's trivia question, which was this, how many new exchange-traded funds were created in 2017? Well, 2007 still holds the record for the most new funds at 269, and 258 were created in 2015. 2017 is third with an incredible 241 new exchange-traded funds. I wonder exactly what exchanges all those new funds take. Maybe that's Monday's trivia question right there. See ya! Darn it. <laughs> that's, two, that's two weeks in a row I've been closest but over been shot. over. Swing and, and a miss. I the lead. <laughs> you know, my gut was telling me to go with NASCAR memorabilia is what he traded in, and I should have oh, gone with it. You, were, you would have still been so close like Len was. Almost there. <laughs> Had you played the Velcro I, I pants? I do feel like that in terms of the exchange, Basket of Kittens is closest to belt buckle collection. <laughs> <laughs> closest without going over. Yeah. Yeah, right. <sighs> Still 200 and something exchange traded <laughs> funds. That's, That's amazing. Isn't it funny? Doug said it like 10 seconds ago. I can't remember what the number is. Joe, you don't <laughs> even listen to your own I show. The, my what? I have a show? It's fantastic. 
Hey, clearly somebody wrote a letter to the wrong people because they asked us for some help. I don't know why they did that, but Doug just brought down some mail and uh, today's letters from Dan. Dan says, I definitely lean toward OGs thinking about bonds and Bo, because you're new to the show, I'll explain that. OG has a, if you use bonds at all, you're asking for trouble. So he is a zero bond. It's cash and equities and that's it. But what is your suggestion for creating a defensive portfolio position if you're already in retirement? And because you do this with people every day, but we're going to have you go last. You know, we go to the expert last. (laughs) We We don't want the expert talking first. Lenny, you're in retirement. How do you build a defensive portfolio? Well, one word, gold. <laughs> Did anybody say bingo yet? Has anybody got that yet? Oh, well, that's one way. Hey, if you want to get out of bonds, you can go ahead and buy precious metals. Or if you want, if you want to get into, and I would never do this, but you can get into the precious metals ETFs if you'd like. That's another way out of it. There's also other things you can do. There's something called the market neutral funds, which is a way of diversifying yourself. And I think Vanguard has one called the Market Neutral Fund or something like that. And what they do is they invest in companies. They will short a company and they will go long on a, on a company in the similar category. And it kind of like hedges. One hedges against the other and it kind of tries to – it's like a hedged hedge type of fund. Help me out here, Joe, because I'm, I'm getting – I'm swimming out in the deep waters. No, it's interesting That's- because I haven't gone that route in a long time. The thing that I'll say about your precious metals, and I want to get back to something you said there – was that I used to use precious metals in portfolios when I worked with clients because of the, you know, practically close to zero correlation with the stock market. So even though it's eight times more volatility than the stock market, I found that just because the stock market goes up and down, precious metals might do something completely different. Even though it was more volatile, it would usually calm down a portfolio. Now, well, yes, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, I would yeah. use it. I, of course, you do. That's. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, as I'm looking in my bunker here, I was my, say, my Scrooge McDuck. I'm talking your language. You're bathing in gold right now. But, but, but yeah, a gold ETF, why, why the distinction between a gold ETF and physical gold? Well, the reason most people buy physical precious metals is it's about reducing counterparty risk. And when you have an ETF, there is a counterparty involved between you and the metal that's being stored for you somewhere else. There is the possibility that that person might be overselling the gold and silver, and there's a chance for default. Whereas if you have physical metal in your possession, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, good, good. I was curious about that. Uh, Paula, defensive portfolio. I would suggest TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, which are, as the name implies, they will protect you from inflation. They will adjust based on inflation so that when your TIPS matures, you will have principal plus inflation. It also protects you from deflation. So just in case we are in a deflationary environment, you will still get your original principal contribution back. Um, So TIPS, I think, are great for a defensive portfolio when you're in retirement, my other suggestion would be laddered CDs in which you would buy a number of CDs, one that has a five-year maturity, one that has a three-year maturity, one that has a one-year maturity, uh, maybe one that has a 10-year maturity. And then as each one matures, you use the proceeds of that to buy the longest maturity one, thereby having that combination of liquidity as well as longer maturity duration returns. But how much money do you play that game with? What percentage of your portfolio do you go defensive with? I mean, for me, because I'm 34, zero. But if you're in retirement and your goal is wealth preservation rather than wealth accumulation, then a much bigger percentage. Now, that being said, if you are 60 or 65 years old, you still have 30 years of being in the market. Even at the age of 60 or 65, you still want some degree of aggressiveness within your portfolio that you can dwindle down as you reach your 80s or 90s. Bo, what do you think? You know, one of the things, because the bond funds have just been so poor and into the foreseeable future, we've been continuing to add solid dividend-paying stocks to actually boost some of the income. Another thing we've done that's interesting recently is we've been working on a diversified REIT portfolio where we're diversifying amongst sectors of things like some retail, some residential, some commercial to try to boost up that kind of stable retirement income. 
you know, to something better than putting it in the bank or putting it at risk. So that's kind of what I see people are really looking for these days. I think what's interesting that I'll say that's very unpopular now, but definitely I think is the exciting area in fintech is annuities are not that far away, I think. And I don't know, Bo, how you feel about this, but right now you say the word annuity and it's an ugly thing and rightfully so. But some of these companies working on much more streamlined annuities in the fintech sector, mm-hmm. this money you can't outlive is, is kind of enticing. Well, no, to speak to that. So if we had another defensive portion, it has to be, I know annuity sometimes makes people cringe that word, but mathematically it works. Roger Ibbotson put out a study that back-tested bond funds back back 90 years, and it showed if you can find a no-fee uncapped indexed annuity, it averages right at 5.8-5.9% over the same period of time as bond funds without the volatility. <laughs> so the key with that is it has to be somebody, you know, somebody older in retirement and it has to be the amount of money that's dedicated to income that we know they're not going to use any more than they would have to draw out to that would incur a surrender. So the problem with annuities is the liquidity. But if it's income producing money anyway, we would never need to be drawing out 10% a year. Paula, I want to ask you this specifically because I read something literally just this morning that uh, – not figuratively this morning, literally this morning. Literally this morning. <laughs> if, I, if I was going to use literally in the wrong way, I just totally – I just did it. But this morning I read this piece that said – Instead of completely retiring, start a micro business. And to Bo's point of this income stream that you can draw on, starting this micro business could be a little extra income stream for you without a heck of a lot of work. That depends on whether or not you want to. Everyone has their own goals or ambitions for retirement. And it might be that in your retirement, you want to dedicate a couple of hours a day to running a micro business. But it might be that you just don't want to. You might want to move to the jungles of Malaysian Borneo, where you're completely off grid. So I certainly would not plan for, and this is more for the sake of anybody who's listening who is a few years pre-retirement, I certainly would not plan for a retirement that assumes that you have to earn an income in order to get by, because you want to free yourself of the obligation to do so. And then if you do choose to do so, that's icing on the cake. Len, do you see yourself continuing to blog and work the side business after retirement? Yes, it's going to supplement my income in retirement. It's a, it's really it's a safety net for me right now. So yes, absolutely. I see you spending more hours on it then than you do even now. Oh, absolutely. This is an untapped, and it's really not. I haven't. I've only scratched the surface. It's it, it's hard when you have a, a real job during the day where you're working for the man, and you can't put that. You just can't put the hours in. You know, some of these really these bloggers who all day can put all day into it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's lots of opportunity. Bo, I like what Paula said though, about working because you want to, not because you have to. And one of the things I find is a misconception when planning for retirement is, okay, I'm, I'm going to retire or not. And I'll leave a $5,000 job. I need to either give up that income or not, but, but it's a mathematical thing again, meaning sometimes somebody only needs $500 a month to make the math work. And it's easy to find something that would generate $500 a month, but people don't see it that way. They're looking for another $5,000 a month proposition or staying at work when sometimes that's not what you need to do. Like a great black point. or black or that's white a, thing. Yeah. There's right. a lot that's of gray area. It's seeing what the income gap is and then solving for that. Yep. Good stuff. Hey, that's going to do it for today, guys. Thanks, Dan, for the question. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com and you'll see the questions tab at the top of the page. Click that link and that'll show you all the ways you can interface with us. Let's talk about what's going on where you people live. Uh, Mr. Penzo, what's going on at lenpenzo.com? Hey, lenpenzo.com reader and Stacking Benjamins listener Evan from Pennsylvania is sharing how he lives on $40,000 a year or less. So that'll be on lenpenso.com. I love that series. That's such a cool series. Thank you. That's awesome. Congratulations, Evan, for uh, getting through Len because that guy doesn't let anybody on his blog. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how much you paid Len. Probably, probably a bunch of gold bullion. Is that the deal? Did he slip you a few? Evan did a great job, by the way. I just Evan did a fantastic job with his uh, input. So it's and really, this is nothing to do with me. This is all the people who contribute. So I just uh, I just kind of put what they write and kind of put it in blog form. That's fan. He said self deprecatingly, Uh, but we know the truth. Paula, what's going on at Afford Anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have an interview with time management expert Laura Vanderkam. Laura, who? Laura Vanderkam. I love that woman. 
Benjamin show. So she's going to talk about how to achieve that sensation of being off the clock. We also recently we aired an interview with a guy by the name of Rand Fishkin. He was once $500,000 in debt and later uh, went on to start a company that pulls in about $45 million a year in annual revenue. Wow. So, what was that guy's name? What was his name? Rand Fishkin, founder of Moz. Isn't he the guy from Escape from New York? No. Or that's no, Pliskin. That's that Snake Pliskin. Oh, I, I messed okay. it up. Sorry. <laughs> the founder of Moz. Never heard of it. No. That's amazing. What an amazing story. Yeah. Rand is a very thoughtful and very transparent guy. That was one of my favorite interviews. Wow, so you, both of those are on the Afford Anything podcast. I'm sure you and Rand didn't hit it off at all. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a great guy. I really enjoy talking to him. Bo, thanks a ton for coming and saving the show this week. Hey, I had a blast. This is, I didn't know what kind of a crew you really had put together here. It's something else. He's like, what the heck am I getting into? <laughs> but, but but tell us what's going on. What's coming up at the Rich? You know, and by the way, if you've got any secrets, you know nobody listens to the show. So feel free to tell us the secret stuff that's coming up on the Rich Life Show. Sure. If you go to Rich Life Advisors and find the retirement resource, we have coming up an interview I'll be doing. I'm excited about with Brian Ellis, and we're going to be digging into the fascinating, somewhat scary, but very informative area of self-directed IRA investing. Oh, cool. And that can be scary. And man, if you get that stuff wrong, you you pay for it. So make sure you get it right. That's right. You do it right. It could be a good thing, but yeah, you got to make sure you're doing it right. Great stuff. And we'll link to that on the show notes. But anybody listening, you can find the Rich Life show wherever people are listening to this show, right? Mm-hmm. You guys yeah, are everywhere. You find it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find it. And and it is, it's the retirement resource and the rich life show, depending on kind of the demographic. Absolutely. Cool. And we'll link to all that in our show notes page. If you're walking the dog or on your commute, we've got you covered there. All right, Doug, let's stick a fork in this one. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First worried about all the mistakes you might be making with your money. After hearing all eight of the mistakes many middle-class families are making, you shouldn't worry so much about it. Keep moving forward. Pay off debt. Save a few Lincolns and Benjamins and then investing. You'll find yourself at the top of the mountain before you know it. Second, worried about risk in retirement? Start with a diversified portfolio and think carefully about how much you're going to spend every month. By laying out your money based on your expenses, you're less likely to get aggressive or maybe worse, too conservative with your cash. But the big lesson? Turns out, exchange-traded funds don't want you to exchange anything into them, but money. It's like the only thing they'll take. Really, it takes 50 bucks or more to invest in these things? Who's got that kind of jing just laying around? I'm out. Special thanks to Bo Henderson for joining us today. You'll find Bo's The Rich Life Show wherever you're listening to us today. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com. Len Penzo appears courtesy of the cryptically named LenPenzo.com. This show was created by Joe Saul produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Thanks also to Joe's mom for exchanging my belt buckle collection for 50 bucks. She wants me to invest in one of these exchange-traded thingies, but I'm thinking an investment in Sizzler Shrimp and Sirloin is the perfect investment for tonight for this guy.
Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. Uh, Bo, you're new to the after show, so we'll give you the rules. What happens in the after show stays in the after show. We don't talk about it. In fact, we've had people on social media reference it. And if you have to reference it, just call it dessert. And Paula, by the way, we have the only shortwave with video. <laughs> what, what, what are you eating? I am eating... Uh Organic chia seed pudding made with raw cacao powder, and then I also added a couple of scoops of protein powder to it. It what? pairs well with wine. <laughs> that sounds delicious <laughs> for, for you. Yeah, I I, uh, I made it with. I think you're supposed to make it with coconut milk, but I made it with almond milk instead. Yeah, true story. I'll tell it again. <laughs> yes. Paul is going just wild with the chia seeds. <laughs> Somebody back her down on the chia seeds. So, so today on the show, obviously Doug got exchange traded fund wrong. He thought it meant one thing and it meant something else. And what's funny is, is that we've all been there before, right? We've we've all we've all done something, uh, uh, thought something about a term that didn't work the way that it we thought it was. I'll go first because mine's fairly short. I'm on this date. I'm trying to press this girl. I just turned 21 a few weeks before. So I take her to this fairly expensive restaurant. We sit down, the waiter comes over in his tuxedo and asks if we'd like to start with a wine. And I said, absolutely. I'd like a carafe of wine, please. <laughs> and he, and he looks at me, he looks at me and he's trying not to laugh, but my, <laughs> but my date's laughing because it's not a carafe of wine. For those of you who aren't it's like not? me from the country, it's what, a, what is it? It's a carafe of wine, <gasps> but it's spelled C A R A F E. And I thought, oh, that sounds like the perfect. Well, you know what? <laughs> to be quite honest, I didn't even know how much wine it was going to be. <laughs> I knew the number after the wine fit my wallet, right? <laughs> I, I knew with the amount of money I had that buying the carafe versus a uh, the full bottle was going to be the way to go. But anyway, so I said, yeah, I'll the very confidently too, by the way. So yeah, I'll have the carafe of wine. And he and my date like double over laughing at me. Yeah, that that uh, relationship didn't last. But Len, any either term you used wrong or... Uh, Term you, yeah, um, I, I remember I was at the zoo once and I and I saw this really cool animal it had a really long neck and I I was pointing and I said like, look at that giraffe look at that giraffe <laughs> and people were looking at me like what no um, <laughs> seriously this is this is from my high school days I was in a car accident at one time and I had to have a tutor my leg was mangled and I couldn't go to school so I'd have a tutor come and his name was Doctor Rubio he was a PhD in physics. Very nice man, a Filipino man, and he had an accent. And he was teaching me about Ruder Ford, who was the father of nuclear physics. And um, he was telling me about all these great things that Ruder Ford did, you know, how he was the he helped do the Geiger Marsden experiment and blah, blah, blah. It was all about nuclear this, nuclear that. Well, it came time for my test, and it was an oral test. The first question he asked me was, Who participated in the Geiger Marsden test? And I told him, I said, oh, that's easy. That's Ruder Ford. And he looked at me, and if looks could kill – we're at my kitchen table, by the way. And he looked like he wanted to grab a, a kitchen knife and stab me with it. And I was like, what's what's wrong? He goes, what did you say? I said, Ruder Ford. Ruder Ford did, invented this, this experiment. He was took part in this experiment. And he looked at me, and he goes, Ruder Ford, Ruder Ford. And I was like, yeah, that's what I said, Ruder Ford, Ruder Ford. So he opens the book and he goes to the chapter where this was taught, where this came from, and he's pointing and it said Ernest Rutherford. But his accent, he was saying Rutherford, Ruder Ford. So, <laughs> oh no. Just, yeah. So I thought it was Ruder Ford and it was Rutherford. I took Len South African history from a brilliant professor, Dr. Stewart at Michigan State, who was Scottish. And now every time I say Johannesburg or Cape Town in my head, it's always with a Scottish accent. <laughs> to that, it drives me crazy how Scottish South Africa is in my head. It just They're all wearing kilts in the bush. I don't know. Uh, Paula, you got a... Uh... Yeah. I mean, my parents have accents. And so a lot of not a lot, but like many of the words that I pronounced as a kid, I learned from my parents. And so like thermometer, I would always call it thermometer because that's how they said it. <laughs> and uh, cauliflower, I would call it cauliflower. 
uh, again, because that's how they said it. So there are a lot of words that I'd be in school, you know, and uh, I'd be like, yeah, the, the thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic, though. Yeah. And all the other kids would look at me like, and I'd be like, what? What? It's a thermometer. Yeah. The thermometer is very high. I like that. Uh, yeah. I think we should change it to that, Len. I think it, we should. Yes. It makes sense. Uh, thermometer. That's our, we, we heard it here first on Stacking Benjamins. Changing, <laughs> changing the world in one way. Bo, how about you? You know, I was thinking about this, and one of my favorite stories was six-year-old Bo went to kindergarten and met his new teacher for the first time, Miss Pugh. That was her name. And I'll never forget, my mom still gives me grief about this. I went home so proud to tell her about my first day at school, my new teacher, and I was so proud to tell her about my new teacher, Mrs. Stink. <laughs> <laughs> Pew stink. So yeah, that was that was my best I could do. You learned synonyms early. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of clever, but I'm glad I didn't say it to her though. Uh, number three on this list is, and we're going through. I, I don't need to read. No, never mind. I'm treating this like it's a radio show, and people are joining <laughs> us halfway. If if you're joining a podcast halfway. <laughs> 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 Stupid. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.